Hello again. Thanks for tuning in to Inclusive Occupations, sharing stories of not just being invited to the party, but dancing and having fun. I'm your host, Savita Sundar. For those who are visiting me for the first time, this podcast is a space to share stories, ideas, innovations, and everything else that inspires authentic inclusion. I'm an occupational therapist. I work in education in the school system with children and youth from preschool to post-secondary. This is the place where the future of our society is nurtured and created. In this episode, I'm going to steer around a little bit and do some OT talk. I want to do this just so I can situate inclusion under the domain of occupational therapy for my listeners. And I do want people to know and understand about our profession, occupational therapy, in my episode. So if you know of school-based OTs, you are probably quite familiar with some of what they do. You may see OTs address fine motor skills in children to help them hold a pencil to write or to cut or to be able to open their snack packets, to be able to open um, their lunch boxes, to zipper up their jackets, to button their pants and so on and so forth. You may have seen them teach kids to use the playground to play. You may have seen them support teachers in organizing their classroom to make it more efficient and effective. Um, You may have seen them help problem-solve behaviors that stem out of underlying sensory dysregulation and so on. Do you know of school-based OTs who create a cafeteria culture where children learn to embrace differences, form friendships, and learn healthy eating? Do you know of school OTs who create lessons with teachers so it is accessible and engaging to all students? Do you know of an OT who created opportunities for children with autism to learn vocational skills in their elementary school by servicing the needs of their own school community? I invite you to please check my show notes if you want to know more and be inspired. These stories, um, I'm saving them for another separate episode. But I just want you to know that OTs do a lot that you see and don't see. So an OT has a lot to do with a lot of things. Okay, that's the beauty of our profession, the universality of it. Again, this is also the curse of our profession because it's hard to explain to people what we do. We all inevitably face the tragedy of being misunderstood, misrepresented, and often underutilized. The payment system has sadly dictated what we can and cannot do. We have let that happen for too long and it's high time we show the payment system what is worth paying for. So today I want to help you picture what we do and can do. Okay, again, occupations are everything we do to occupy our time. As long as we live, we occupy our bodies and our minds in the job of living, be it eating a meal, taking a nap, playing a game, watching a TV show, working on a job, etc etc there are different aspects to occupations okay but very simply put the person performs an activity within an environment or context okay let me say that again very simply put a person performs an activity within an environment or context our interventions therefore address the person the activity and the environment and These three are so interconnected and therefore our interventions are very holistic. Now each of these 
have other aspects to them that need to be understood. For example, a person, if you take the person, the person is not just her physical self. She has emotions, she has a mind, and she has spirituality. If you take the environment, the environment can be the physical environment that we can touch and feel. It also includes the social environment that comprises of the people we interact with, their beliefs, their attitudes, the culture, and the temporal concept, which is the time of our day, our lifespan, our world. For example, it's COVID time, okay? And it's, or it was World War time once, and that affects, affects the person. The environment, the context affects a person and what they do. Now, if you take the activity, it is everything that you do, and it becomes an occupation when it is situated in a meaningful context. For example, um, pulling out weeds is an activity. But if it is done with the purpose of beautifying a garden or a home, then it becomes an occupation. Okay, So an activity situated in a meaningful context for a particular person becomes an occupation. Okay, Now I'd like to say that OTs are these angels of change in the community who are trained extensively in this core philosophy of human existence, the occupational nature of people, the interdependence of these three aspects of occupations. Now this has always existed, okay, until it was until it formally emerged as a profession in 1917 in the US. And over in over 100 years, more than 100 years, the body of knowledge and occupational science has grown and expanded. So when we realize how broad our scope is and all that we can do to support our clients, it's easy to see that there just isn't enough of us. Okay, here's some important, uh, some interesting statistics. Okay, CNBC in August 2019 listed OT as the fifth of the 11 most meaningful college majors. Okay, and employment of occupational therapists is projected to grow 16% from 2019 to 2029, much faster than the average of all occupations. Okay, so when we talk about our role in inclusion, we are addressing the cultural context in which the person is situated in. Changing the attitudes and cultures will impact the child significantly. Now, the latest occupational therapy practice framework, OTPF4, has introduced a very important and probably most widely prevalent phenomena in the world of disabilities, and that is co-occupations. Central to the concept of co-occupation is that two or more individuals share a high level of physicality, emotionality, and intentionality. I'm quoting this directly from the OTPF. Okay. Now, in education, for children with complex needs to participate to their best potential in the activities of school life, there must be an opportunity for co-occupation with their peers. How else can a child with autism experience prom night without their peers supporting them actively. So many of the students I have worked with have no idea of what a prom night is. That experience is out of their life. That is occupational injustice. Okay. Very simply, it is stated that they cannot handle it. What if OTs can organize prom nights in schools where their peers can take on the responsibility of making it fun for all? Now, when our children with complex needs that we service in the school system leave the protected, highly supported, supportive educational system, 
they are in the real world where they are often left to fend for themselves for the most part. Okay, what can we give them now that will help them when they graduate? While we are trying to equip them with skills, we must simultaneously equip them with a community of responsible peers who will help them grow and thrive. Co-occupation must be taught, facilitated, and imbibed in children in schools. What better way can we teach our children the 21st century skills of collaboration, initiation, leadership, empathy, and flexibility? Please check back soon for our next episode where we will be talking to a very interesting guest. Mm-hmm.